the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SRN News. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There are many people who steal from the government by refusing to pay their taxes. They're just not going to do it. And they have all kinds of ways they try to justify this and rationalize it, but it's stealing. Jesus very clearly said, render to Caesar the things that are what? Caesar's. Meaning, give the government what rightly belongs to them. It's not yours. We probably have more ways to steal than we do to earn. But we have just as many ways to rationalize the behavior so we don't feel guilty about it. We're glad you could join us today on Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff continues a series of lessons from the Ten Commandments. The Eighth Commandment simply says, no stealing. Ah, but what is stealing? Let's open our Bibles to find out. Here is Pastor Steve. Exodus chapter 20 verse 15 says, you shall not steal. Now, this is the third commandment in a row that consists of actually only, only two words in the original Hebrew. The sixth commandment said literally, no murder. The seventh commandment said, no adultery. And this eighth commandment very succinctly says, literally, no stealing. Now, the question is, what exactly does it mean to steal? Well, the Hebrew word for steal literally means to carry away, to carry away. So this commandment forbids us from carrying or taking away anything that doesn't belong to us. It's not really that difficult to to understand. Now, some of the implications and applications will be a little more challenging, but in its essence, it's, it's not hard to figure out. Don't take something and carry it away that doesn't belong to you. Now, you may think when you hear that, that just like some of the other commandments, at least at face value, surface value, this really doesn't seem to apply to you. You'll think differently by the end of the service, but the beginning, I understand that. And you're thinking maybe, well, look, I'm not a thief. I've never, I've never robbed a bank. I've never stolen someone's car. I've never embezzled funds or held up a store. I've, I've never even shoplifted. So this really doesn't apply to me. And you may think that your only relationship to this commandment is that perhaps you've been a victim of somebody stealing from you, but you're not guilty of stealing. Well, It's really not the case. It's very unlikely that any of us here are exempt from stealing. All of us have stolen in one way or another. It was Martin Luther, the reformer, who once said, if all thieves who nevertheless do not wish to be considered such were to be hanged to the gallows, the world would soon be desolate and would be without both executioners and gallows, which is simply a way of saying we're all thieves. Now, you may not be aware, at least right now, of how you have stolen and how you have broken this commandment, 
And the reason is that we often don't recognize our sin of stealing because we have a very inadequate view of what true stealing is. And so because we have this inadequate view, we don't understand that we have stolen. So today, we want to delve into the the meaning of this commandment, not only what it means, but its implications, its applications, and then we want to see what positive virtue ought to be cultivated. Because as we've said all along, that, that whenever you're studying the Ten Commandments, you must realize that, as the psalmist said in Psalm 119, that your testimonies are exceedingly broad. God is not only giving us negatives. The positive is implied. If he presents it as a positive command, then the negative is implied. God doesn't want us to simply refrain from stealing. He wants us to have positive virtues cultivated. So we're going to look at this. As we've done in previous weeks, we're going to approach our study this morning by asking several pertinent questions, and by those answers, we will unfold the meaning of this commandment. So first, we're going to look at the question which asks, what does it mean to steal? What does it exactly mean, and how do we do it? How are we guilty of this? Secondly, we'll look at, at, at this question, why is it a sin to steal? Now, you may think, well, it's just, it's just wrong. And in my conscience, I know it's wrong. And, and that's certainly right. But we want to go beneath the surface. There are some uh, hidden sins that are related to stealing that, that make it terribly immoral. So we want to look at the, uh, why, why it's a sin to steal. And then we're going to look at what the positive virtue is that ought to come out of this Eighth Commandment as God cultivates this in our lives. So let's begin by looking at the the first question that helps us to understand the meaning of the Eighth Commandment is, what exactly does it mean to steal, and how do we do it? Well, we've already mentioned that the literal Hebrew word for stealing means to carry away, in the sense of carrying away something that belongs to someone else. And it means you didn't get their permission. You didn't get their permission, and uh, you took it without the intention of returning it. In other words, stealing is, is different than borrowing. Stealing is different from borrowing something. It's, it's, it's taking what does not rightfully belong to you, and it's keeping it. Borrowing is if you had someone's permission, you borrowed it, you brought it back. So it's not just carrying it away. It's carrying it away and keeping it away forever. Now, in light of this basic definition, and as I said, this is not difficult, this, this part, the basic definition of stealing, there are a number of of really easy-to-recognize ways that people steal. Not not hard to recognize, such as theft, robbery, burglary. Uh, Those are really some of the more obvious ones. And many of us, quite frankly, have been victims of these crimes. I first experienced the pain of having something stolen from me when, as a young boy, my new 26-inch beautiful turquoise bicycle was stolen. It really was painful. I couldn't believe someone would steal from me. How This was mine. And they took it, never to be found again. And then years later, Michelle and I came home one night to find our house robbed. What a shocking experience that is. I honestly can say that I, I felt I had been emotionally raped. I felt I had been violated. This was my home and someone broke into it and took my things. Well, in in addition to some of these more overt, obvious forms of stealing, there are other forms of stealing that that nobody questions in our society. We we all say it's wrong, ought to be worthy of punishment, and these would include hijacking, shoplifting, any form of, of extortion. 
And these, because these are such obvious violations of the Eighth Commandment, I don't think we really need to, to talk about that. Everybody understands that. They're just obvious. However, there are some forms of stealing that are not so obvious. And these are the ones that we tend to be guilty of. So that's where I've chosen to, to focus on. These are, these are thefts that are not done by force, not done by violence, more subtle forms of stealing. Let me mention some of them for you. For example, there are many people who steal from the government by refusing to pay their taxes. They're just not going to do it. And they have all kinds of ways they try to justify this and rationalize it, but it's stealing. Jesus very clearly said, render to Caesar the things that are what? Caesar's. Meaning, give the government what rightly belongs to them. It's not yours. Give them what rightly belongs to them, which means as we're going to see in a moment from Romans chapter 13, it means pay them for services rendered. And let's turn there, Romans chapter 13. We looked at Romans 13 a few weeks ago in connection with the commandment about murder, where Paul says that concerning the government, it does not bear the sword in vain, meaning capital punishment is part of the government's responsibility. But we're going to expand it this morning because that's really the general intent of Romans 13 to tell us about taxes. At least that's where Paul is going with this. Romans 13 verse 1, every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. God has ordained and established the government. Now there's no perfect government because there's no perfect people. But the institution of government has been established by God. Therefore, Paul writes, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. If you resist the government, you're resisting God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have fear of authority? Then do what is good, or want to have no fear, rather, of authority. And do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices sin. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. What Paul is teaching is we obey the government, not simply because we're afraid of getting caught and what they might do to us, but for the sake of conscience, because it's right to do what's right in obeying the government. Now, verse 6 expands this. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We are to pay taxes for services rendered by our government. They protect us. They punish evildoers. They do all sorts of things. And you may not agree with all that they do, but Scripture says we are to pay taxes. Do you think the Apostle Paul agreed with everything that the Roman government did? And yet he taught we are to pay taxes. If we don't pay our taxes, folks, we are cheating the government and it is the equivalent of stealing. Now, there are many Christians who come along, as I said, and they try to justify and rationalize away not paying their taxes. And they would justify this crime by saying, you know what? I look at our government and our government supports a lot of things that are just immoral. How can I financially support an institution that is opposed to God's uh, standards of morality? On the surface, that may sound very good, but, but a person who holds to that is talking out of both sides of their mouth. 
They are hypocritical. And let me explain why. You cannot say with consistency that you are concerned about morals or the lack of morals coming from the government and then you do something that is morally wrong by stealing from them. That's, that's inconsistent. That's not right. If you're that concerned about morals, then morally do what's right and pay for services rendered. To refuse to pay your taxes is wrong, morally wrong, because it violates God's morality, which is expressed in the Ten Commandments. And the Eighth Commandment says you shall not steal. It is stealing to do that. But not only is it stealing from the government when we don't pay our taxes, it is also stealing from them when we falsify or hide information on our tax returns. As someone has said, to do that is the same as if you walked in and stole gold from the national treasury. You are taking from the government what doesn't belong to you. So we can steal that way. Another form, another way we can violate the Eighth Commandment is if as a merchant you overcharge customers. You overcharge customers. This is dishonest. And the Bible condemns this when it refers to merchants in the Old Testament who use dishonest scales to make the buyer think that he was getting more than what he really was getting. They would just weigh it down and he would think he's getting more for his money. Many places in the, in the Old Testament condemn this. It was unjust. It was wrong. Here are the words of Micah 6.12 as God condemns this, this sin of overcharging. Can I justify wicked scales and a bag of deceitful weights? God refers to these scales as wicked, to these weights as deceitful. In other words, it's dishonest gain. It is, it is stealing. It is stealing. And Jesus, remember, strongly condemned the money changers in the temple. Why? Because they were charging exorbitant rates to those who came worshiping and they would bring an animal sacrifice to the temple. Only where could they buy this animal sacrifice from? From the money changers. They had a monopoly on this and they were charging these exorbitant rates. Today we call this price gouging because the people had no other alternatives. No other alternatives. They were stuck with these outrageous prices. And remember our Lord's righteous anger as he overturned those tables and kicked those people out and he said it was so wrong. He, now, these people didn't take money by force, but they were still crooks and robbers. And that's why Jesus, in referring to, this, to the temple and to these people, he said that they were a den of what? Thieves. They're crooks. So if you purposely overcharge a customer, then you are a thief, even if your crime is considered legal. It's considered fair market. Get what you can. It is morally wrong and you are guilty of breaking the Eighth Commandment. Another form of stealing is when you as a customer receive too much change or money back from a business transaction and you knowingly allow yourself to keep the money. You think, it's my lucky day. Though you may never be caught, and you probably would never be caught, it's still sin and God knows and God sees all about it. In fact, just yesterday... I was um, buying some milk at the grocery store at night, and as I was uh, leaving, uh, I heard this woman walking back, and she said, you, you gave me back too much money. Here, I need to give some back. And I thought, that's tremendous. I, I hope she was a Christian. To do that, that's a great testimony. That's right. So even though you can get away with it with people, you can't get away with it with God. It is stealing. It is stealing. That money is not yours. They, they made a legitimate mistake, so give it back. 
Another form of stealing is when employers underpay employees in order to increase their own profits. Now, this is not the same as, as an employer saying, I don't have any more money to give you. This is all I can afford. But when an employer ceases to give good wages because they want to make more money, that is really stealing. It's stealing because by paying them less than they are really worth, the employer is taking money from the employee for himself. God condemns us, condemns it in the Old Testament. You can look it up on your own. Jeremiah twenty-two thirteen. God speaks about people working but not getting paid for their work. Luke 10, 7 says the labor is worthy of his wages. In other words, pay someone what their labor is worth and don't try to exploit them by padding your own profits. Another form of stealing in which Christians are really notorious, and, and this may make you squirm a little bit, is by stealing through violating copyright laws. That's right, copyright laws. Those laws that everybody says... Well, that's real vague. It's actually not very vague. I did some research this week. It's not vague. Such as buying a sheet of music and making copies for everyone in the choir. That's what some churches do. We don't do that here. If we do something that looks like that, we've paid for those copyrights. We've, or we've gotten permission to do that. Same thing with, uh, with CDs. There are those who say, you know what, it's all right if you um, make a CD for somebody else or get it down from the uh, downloader from the Internet and it's music. And hey, it's all right as long as you're not charging someone. No, 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 that's not. That's not the case. The law is you are stealing from the artist because you are keeping profits from them regardless of whether you're making money off of it or not. Now, if you are copying something you've already paid for, that's legal. But if you are copying and giving it to somebody to save them money, you are stealing from the artist. That is wrong. That's wrong. And, and Christians do it many, many, many times. And do they get away with it? Yes, but it's wrong. It's stealing from the artist who makes his money by the sale of his or her music. Another subtle way of stealing would include plagiarizing. You are taking a writer's hard-earned work and you are passing it off as your own and you are really stealing his or her thoughts and works. Academic cheating is also stealing. It's a form of stealing because it not only robs the time other students put into their studies, but it diminishes the results of their work when compared with the work of the cheater. You don't want to do that. It's wrong. It's stealing. And you know what a real popular form of stealing is amongst believers in Christ? Borrowing books or CDs and never giving them back. That's right. So, folks, check your libraries for books that have my name. Now, if I've loaned you something recently, that's fine. But if you have something of mine or Jack's or anybody's, uh, especially a book, and maybe you never intended, intended to keep it, it becomes stealing if you do keep it. And that refers to anything. You borrowed somebody's clothes, get it back to them. You borrowed a book, get it back to them. A CD, a tape, get it back to them. Unless they said it's yours to keep. Your borrowing can become theft. In fact, Psalm 37 verse 21 says that one of the marks of the wicked is that they borrow and do not pay back. 
So be careful about that. Now, in addition to tax theft and overcharging theft and keeping money that doesn't belong to you theft and underpaying employees theft and theft by violating copyright laws and plagiarizing and cheating theft and borrowing but not returning theft, there are numerous occasions in the business world where people think it's all right to steal. In fact, they do it so often they don't even think of it as stealing. In fact, they would say everybody does it. What difference does it make? And that is uh, the practice, and we tend to get callous to this, of a number of, of things you do in the business world that are just wrong. For example, you are guilty of stealing someone's time and time from your employer specifically when you come in late and leave early and get paid for a full day's work. I'm talking about not making up the time now. Your boss is thinking that he's paying you for a full day's work, but not. Not so. You are stealing. You're also guilty of stealing money from your boss when you do substandard work. They're not paying you to do substandard work. You're being paid to do the best work that you're capable of doing. You're guilty of stealing, and this is a common one, and take note of this. You're guilty of stealing when you use the company's equipment for personal use without paying for it. Unless unless there's an understanding from your boss that says it's, it's all right. If you have permission, then that's fine. But I'm talking about using the phone for personal calls, long-distance calls, and not paying for it. Or using the copying machine for personal use and not paying for it. Or taking any materials that belong to, to your company for your own personal use, like stationery, stamps, and yes, even paper clips. That's right. Now, you may think, I can't believe you're talking about paper clips. That's so petty. That's so minor. It, it's even a stretch to think that you would put that in the category, Steve, of, of stealing. But it is stealing. It is stealing because ultimately you're taking something that doesn't belong to you, regardless of the size or expense of the item. You see, let me explain something. A common rationalization for this type of larceny is that it's really okay to steal from a a successful company because, you know what, they have plenty of money. They won't miss it. Besides, they pay me so little, they owe it to me. I'll get it in paper clips if I have to, but I'll get it. <laughs> Listen, this is nothing more than the old Robin Hood syndrome. Robin Hood is a hero in our day. He's been a hero for many years. But he was a crook. He was a crook. In his, in his line of thinking, it's all right to rob from the rich in order to help the poor. Listen, robbing is robbing. It's wrong. It's all stealing. Regardless of how petty the item is, regardless of who you take it from, how much they have, it is stealing. And it morally is wrong. It violates the Eighth Commandment. And let me tell you the real tragedy. There are two things, the real tragedy of taking these, these petty petty items. The real tragedy about taking inexpensive items is that not only do you compromise your integrity and your testimony for Christ over petty stuff, I mean, that, that in and of itself is bad, that you would lose your testimony over, over stamps or paper clips. I mean, that's, that's just nonsense. But the real tragedy here and the real danger is that once you begin to do that and you violate your conscience with little things like that, you'll be more inclined to steal bigger things because your conscience becomes hardened. Nobody starts out by taking someone's car. No one starts out stealing by robbing a car. There were a, there were a series of, of many decisions along the road 
before it escalated into something major like that. So don't think a paperclip, oh, it's nothing. You do that, and uh, you can hurt your testimony over something that, that costs less than a penny, as well as violating your conscience, which gets harder and harder and harder. So that when the really important, significant issues, expensive issues, I should say, are facing you, you've got a hardened heart. So the first question that helps us to understand this Eighth Commandment is, what does it mean to steal? How do we do it? And the answer is, it means to take anything that doesn't belong to you, regardless of what it is. It's not yours. So if you have done that, then make restitution. Get it back. If you need to speak to an employer, then then do it. It'd be very humbling, but that's what the Christian life calls us to. I suspect that at one time or another, we have all been guilty of breaking the Eighth Commandment. Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue this three-part message on the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio versions of his messages come to you through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are on the web at versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to order a CD or a cassette with this entire message, call us at 727 239-0306. And please join us for the next verse by verse, and Pastor Steve will show us how stealing is actually an affront to God because it disregards His providence. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.